Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to talk about things pertaining to the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. We are a Spirit-filled church. And I mean that in in a couple of different ways. We're a Spirit-filled church in the sense that we're a Pentecostal church. We're a church that believes in the baptism of of the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues, all of the things pertaining to the operation of the Spirit. And so we are Pentecostal in doctrine. But then also we're a Spirit-filled church because when we come together, we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us as a congregation. And uh, just like you as an individual, need, need, you need to stay filled with the Spirit. And it's not an automatic thing. Just because you were baptized in the Holy Spirit you know, a few years ago, that, that doesn't mean that you stay full of the Spirit. You have to continually be being filled with the Spirit. Well, the congregation, uh, we're, we all, we know that we are the temple of God. As a local church, we're the temple of God. And so the Spirit dwells in us, but He wants to do more than just dwell in us corporately. He wants to fill us. And it's those times when we come together and uh, we're mindful of His presence and, and the Spirit moves in, in ways to quicken and uh, uh, bless us and just the, those ways of the Spirit. Those are wonderful times. Now, not all services are the same or n- and not all services should be the same. There's all kinds of church services, but uh, whether or not we have outward and visible manifestations, demonstrations of the Spirit or not, we're still a Spirit-filled church because it's central to what we believe and it's central to what we crave and desire and live for, to always give the Holy Spirit a place to dwell freely and to manifest Himself. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, when you... Even, even someone, if they're honest, Bible, uh, Bible scholars and teachers tend to teach along denominational lines, whoever they're aligned with. They, they tend to teach their doctrine, their, their particular church dogma. And so they tend to follow the company line, so to speak. But if people are honest and take just a... a uh, real, just an objective view of the scriptures reading through the New Testament, you can't escape the fact that the New Testament church was different than most churches today. The, in other words, when the church gathered together, there was a dynamic there that doesn't exist in most churches today. There was that dynamic of the Spirit's presence. It wasn't just a meeting for preaching or teaching. It was a meeting where the Spirit of God was free and, and had liberty. And there was this, this dynamic that, and, and we experience this a lot of times around here. I mean, I love to come to church here because you never know what's going to happen. You just, you just never know. God you know, just does moves in different ways and, and, and it's exciting. But uh, they had a, a, an element even then in the first century that, that we've not fully moved into like we will and like we need to in that uh, there was a, 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 an, a, an understanding and, and, and a reality that anybody and everybody in the church had something to contribute. Isn't that right? Where, where did I tell you to turn? The 12th chapter? We're going to start there but, but in a minute. But go on over to the 14th chapter. Chapter 14, verse 26. How is it then, brethren, when you come together? Each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Notice in the church in the first century... And I always try to avoid, sometimes I slip up, but I try to avoid using the phrase the early church because that gives the idea that there was something, uh, that they were a different church in some way than we are. 
that God in some way had a different plan. There was a different program or a different uh, uh, model for what God did back then and what he wants to do today. And that's not true. There's only one church. There's only been one church since the day of Pentecost until now. And part of the body of Christ and the church is here on the earth and and, uh, a large part of it is, is already in heaven. But we're all members of the same body. And so there's not an early church and a latter church. It's just the church. People change, but God doesn't change. And God's plan doesn't change. And, uh, and so in the first century in the church, you know, people came together and there was this uh, excitement. And, and like I said, this Holy Spirit uh, dynamic that, that pervaded uh, the services because everybody had something to contribute and anyone could contribute. And, and it, that was the reality that's just the way the services were conducted. Now, that doesn't mean that it was bedlam. doesn't mean that it was just, you know, always just, you know, un, uh, 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 uncontrolled, just people doing all kinds of things. You remember that the, the scriptures of the New Testament talks about the ministry gifts. They were put in the body of Christ for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Pastors are put in the church to teach. And to, and to feed the flock of God. Teachers are put in the body of Christ. Uh, the various ministry gifts are in the body of Christ. Some uh, have, have a ministry that's more directed to uh, the lost, getting the lost saved. But generally, even evangelists, their ministry is in the church, but just in the church having an outreach through evangelistic type services. So the ministry gifts are in the church, and so they're going to have a prominent place. I mean, God expects the pastor to care for and feed the sheep. So we're not suggesting that, you know, that you throw, and throw everything away and just let everybody just, you know, just whatever the Spirit has for that service. You know, there are people who, because in the, in the first century, very often, uh, almost all of the time, in fact, people uh, met for service and they didn't have church buildings like we have today. The church had not... Uh, evolved in the sense of, of uh, property and so forth like it has now. And so they met in homes and uh, presumably larger homes, you know, so you could accommodate uh, larger groups of people. And some of the homes, you know, were very large. They had uh, courtyards and places, you know, for, for uh, you know, a lot of people could be crammed in. And then other times, you know, you read over in the book of Acts where Paul and his company found some women out by the riverside where prayer was often made. Well, there were, that was just common for people in that uh, time of, the, uh, of history to meet, you know, in places outside, just in the open. And it was, there were places that was just common for people to go pray. Well, I don't doubt that the church sometimes met out in the open if the weather was good, just had services, you know, just off someplace by themselves, you know, in, in, in the open. So uh, the church didn't really meet in dedicated buildings like we have now. And so today, a lot of times people will get the idea, well, we've got to get back to the apostolic you know, uh, formula. We've got to get back to the book of Acts. So it's wrong to have church buildings and we have to go and start having meetings in, in homes. Well, you know, you can, you can try to recreate the form and that won't give you the substance, you know. And a lot of times uh, today, uh, that's, that's a step backwards because there's nobody over those meetings. There's nobody called of God to be overseers. They're just, uh, and, and, I'm, and this, is a, this is a generalization, I understand that, but very often it's a bunch of rebels, you know, that can't get along in church and don't want, you know, to submit to a pastor or to, you know, to, to their fellow brothers and sisters because they can't have it their way. They'll go out and start a little home group. Now, I went to home groups. You know, the church that uh, when Angela and I first got back in the fellowship with the Lord, it was a a church of God, Pentecostal church that uh, I had been raised in. And when I uh, was backslidden for a few years, you know, when I was younger and I got back in the fellowship with the Lord, started going back to church. Well, uh, after just a a short period of time going uh, going back to church, we started uh, getting a hold of Brother Hagin's, Bro Hagin's material. And uh, he had about half as many books in print then, uh, or even less than half as many print books, books in print then as he did, you know, when he went home to be with the Lord. But what he had, he had books on faith and on healing 
And, of course, the authority of the believer was a classic. He had books on the Holy Spirit and, and uh, the operations of the Holy Spirit and books on prayer and, and, and books on demonology. So that he had some material. And we, we were getting our hands as young people in this in particular church. We were, there was someone in our church, uh, a particular woman, that sort of introduced uh, uh, Brother Hagen's material to some of the younger people of the church, and we started reading this. And we were young adults, you know, and we were uh, reading Brother Hagen's material. And then he had a lot of cassette tapes out, and so there was a, a place in town, a church in town, that had a, all of his tapes, and they lent you know cassette tapes out, and so we would get those and listen to them. Well, we, you know, God was doing something in the body of Christ. The word of faith is is has become a major. Uh, spiritual movement inside the body of Christ. Well, in those days, it was very young, and uh, uh, and it was it was primarily th- this message of faith and authority and, and so forth that that uh, we embrace today. You couldn't find churches that were built on this. You had to go outside the local church, you know, like I said, in books and tapes, and so uh, you know, in our particular church, our our pastor was a good man. And uh, he loved God, but he was just a denominational man. He was just a, he was just a good denominational preacher. He, and this was the, the pastor that, that took over uh, after I'd been back in church about two years. He, uh, the pastor we had left, and then this pastor came. And he was a good man, but he wasn't particularly a, a spiritual man in the sense of he didn't move and operate in the gifts of the Spirit, didn't know a whole lot about him. Uh, but he preached, you know, a, a denominational message. Well, we were hungry for more, and we were reading Brother Hagin's material and listening to his, to his CDs or his, to his t- cassette tapes at that time, and so we started having meetings because we, uh, we wanted more freedom, and, uh, and so we started having home meetings. This one man in the church, you know, he, he and his wife would host them most of the time, and uh, we'd go over to their house, and we'd pray, and we'd have maybe, you know, 10 to 15 people, you know, come out uh, on a Friday night, and we'd, and we'd pray, and we'd sing songs, and, and uh, somebody would, would, would have a, a lesson, and, and uh, uh, because we wanted, we wanted to, all we wanted to talk about was faith and power and the move of the Spirit, and, and, and that's, what, that's what we were interested in. We weren't getting that in church. But you know what? Because Dad Hagen always believed in the local church. Unlike most uh, TV or, or internationally known or what, what we call itinerant ministries, very few of them are really champions of the local church. Most of these people view the local church as something for them to build their ministries on instead of building them supporting the local church. They look at the local churches as a means of supporting them. And, that, and that's really tragic, but that's the way it is. Well, Dad Hagen wasn't in that class. I mean, he always, in his writings and his preaching and teaching, he always promoted the local church. You know, it wasn't very long. We started having these meetings, a little private, you know, prayer, prayer, prayer cottage prayer meeting type thing. And, uh, but, you know, it didn't last very long because the further we got into the Word, the more we realized how out of order we were. And so, you know, Dad Hagen and his material, the more we read it and, and, and fed on, the, the more we kept coming across, you know, coming across uh, his instructions and, uh, about how you need to be involved in a local church and you have to be a part of your own company and the safety and all that. Well, you know, those meetings just kind of dwindled out. And, and, and we became more and more active in the local church. And we all began to take up uh, positions of responsibility uh, that uh, was available in the church. God began to use us. And, 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 uh, and so we, we, we drifted out of those kinds of meetings. Well, people who stay in those meetings for a long period of time are generally, generally out of the will of God. Because again, there's not, there's not any spiritual authority there. They're out there on their own. They don't have a shepherd. They don't have, uh, uh, and, and so it's just easy for, for that to uh, go a wrong way. And generally speaking, those kinds of meetings are, they tend to be dangerous. They tend, in other words, they tend to be dangerous environments because false doctrine can be introduced. There's not anybody there that, can, that uh, has the authority to stand up and say, this is wrong. This is contrary to the word of God. And... Uh, uh, so, you know, people try to get back. What I'm saying is people will try to get back to a form and, and lose the, the substance of the New Testament. We need to have everything the church had in its infancy. 
but we need to have more than that. We, we, and we have matured in a lot of areas and, and, uh, and grown in some areas. You know, in the first uh, few years of the church, there weren't any pastors. If you turn with me to Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2. Of course, we all know about the day of Pentecost and how wonderful that was. And, and as a result of that day and the preaching of that day and the move of the Spirit of that day, verse 41 says, Those who gladly received the word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. You know, there was about 120, and now there's 3,120. That's a pretty big increase, you know, all of a sudden. And what did they do? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' Doctrine. Now, that, I don't know why the New King James didn't tra- change that word. You'll notice there's a note there, and it's the word teaching. When you find the word doctrine in the New Testament, it comes from a Greek word that means teaching. See, the word doctrine has, has a, 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 a connotation attached to it uh, of you know, some uh, degree of religious uh, dogma, you know, uh, particular... Uh, views and interpretations of scripture that, that's uh, peculiar to a particular group or a particular mindset. That's not what this is talking about. It just means they're teaching. It says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. That constituted the church services. They came together to pray. They came together to praise. They came together and broke uh, uh, bread together, had meals together, and the apostles taught them. So you can see there was this central uh, uh, ministry gifts operating and, and overseeing the work. But there weren't any pastors. There weren't any evangelists at this time. There weren't any. T- all, all they had was the, was the 12 apostles. That was the 11 apostles plus Matthias, you know, that had been chosen to, to take over uh, for Judas. And so these were the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And... Uh, that's all the ministry they had. So they did everything. So it took a while for these other ministry gifts to uh, develop in the church. So thank God we have a more uh, fully developed ministry today than they had in the very earliest of days. But we should have all of the dynam- uh, dynamics, all of the power, all of the glory, all of the, uh, of the wonder and the splendor of those early services. We, we should have that kind of a, uh, of a uh, uh, atmosphere in our services where the Spirit of God is just moving. And, and uh, again, the, the pastor or, or some other ministry gift is going to have the most prominent place to bring the word. But notice it says, each of you has a teaching. And, you know, that's what I do sometimes on Wednesday nights is I, I have someone else, some lay person whom I can see they're, they're a good teacher. They've got, they've got an anointing of the spirit. They can teach the word. In fact, well, I'll have, I'll have them minister on Wednesday nights sometimes for that very reason. Because I recognize that, that some are, are gifted along that lines. Along that line. But here it says in verse 26, when you come together, we're in chapter 14 again, verse uh, 46 When you come together, or verse 26, all of each one of you has something. Each one of you has something. And so he he lists those things. Let me find it. Hallelujah. 14, 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm? Well, a psalm is given by the spirit of prophecy, a teaching. And so we have that, a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. See, we need to be people of the Spirit. Amen. And and not just corporately, but individually. Yeah, individually. All of us need to be people of the Spirit. See, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. And my grandparents were... Uh, my grandmother was, and you've heard me tell this before, she was among the founding members of this uh, church that became a large Pentecostal church over time. But in Jacksonville, Florida, she was one of the founding members. It was just a handful of, uh, of spirit-filled believers got together. She was one of them. So my family comes from this rich you know, background. And even before that, she uh, preached in Brush Arbor meetings with my, her brothers and my great uncles. And... Uh, 
so I had a rich heritage and have a rich heritage in, in Pentecostal circles. Well, I've, I've seen the generations coming in, up in, in, uh, in our movement, in the Pentecostal movement, the churches I was involved in. And if, if people attend a Pentecostal church and, and, and only believe in the move of the Spirit, but don't have the move of the Spirit, they won't communicate that to the next generation. They won't. Uh, for instance, the, the uh, young people that were my age that grew up in the, in the church, in the church of God, very few really are, are spiritual today. And of course, we lost a lot because of unbelief in uh, the culture you know, of the 60s. But uh, the ones who, who survived that and are in church... Uh, there's not very many of them that are really spiritual men and women. They just believe. They just go to a Pentecostal church. They don't, they don't operate in the Spirit. They don't move in the Holy Ghost. They just go to church. And the church now is comprised mainly of people like that. And so it's really rare anymore when there is a demonstration of the Spirit. When there's a gift of the Spirit in operation. Pastor Angela's mom just told her uh, last week, Last Sunday, she was so excited. She said, we had an old-fashioned kind of service today on Sunday. And Pastor Angela said, well, well, what do you mean? She knew what she meant. But she said, what do you mean by that, an old-fashioned service? Well, you know, we were running and shouting. And, and, and Pastor Angela says, we do that all the time. But she was so excited because, but, but listen, she described that as an old-fashioned. That means it's not in fashion. I mean, it's not in their church. It's not in fashion because if it was in fashion, it wouldn't be old-fashioned. So she told on herself, we already knew it. But the point is, there's not that same degree of operation in the Spirit that there was 40 years ago when, when, when uh, I was a, a young person coming in uh, to, the, to the things of God. There wasn't, uh, even then, 40 years ago, there wasn't the same degree of spirituality and the operation of the Spirit that there was when, in my grandmother's day. Why? It, it, it wanes because people don't pass it down. You can't, you can't pass down Pentecost if, you don't, if you're not involved in Pentecost. Believing the doctrine is not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough to, listen, even you young, young adults, some of you, you know, married, some of you, you know, uh, might be starting families, be people of the spirit, have a deep spiritual relationship with God, be men and women full of the Holy Spirit and, and be strong in those things. Be, 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 be hungry for the move of the spirit. Because if you're not, you won't communicate it to your children. You won't pass it on to the next generation. It's the truth. We need to be spiritual people. And, and, and there are different ways of being spiritual. You understand that walking in love is being spiritual. So I'm just looking at one, one aspect of the spiritual life, and that's being involved in the operations of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. I better get started on what I was going to talk about. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, look at chapter 12. And let's, look, let's start in verse 28. God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, Varieties of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles. Well, the, the obvious answer is no. Uh, do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Again, the obvious answer is no. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Now, I've taught on this, and you know this, but you need to be reminded of it. Because this objection to tongues... Uh, there's an objection to tongues that's very prevalent based on verse 30. Do all speak with tongues? 
There are, now, you know, there are people that don't believe in, in speaking with other tongues at all. They think, it's, they think it's just crazy or they think it's of the devil or whatever they think. We're not even, we're not even considering uh, anybody with such an absurd opinion as that. But there are a lot of people today because they can see that uh, speaking with other tongues is a gift of God. And so they realize it must not be of the devil. You know, big, you know, revelation there. But, uh, but there are a lot of people that take this position. Well, not everybody speaks with tongues because it says here it implies that all do not. It's really saying all do not speak with tongues. Well, you, you need to be able to show people that that's not talking about the experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues as a result of being filled with the Spirit. This has to do with ministries. Because you notice he starts in verse 28, God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, prophets, you know, these different ministries. And in that context, there is a ministry of speaking with other tongues. There's a a public ministry of tongues and interpretation. Well, not everybody's going to have that. But the reason we know that that's not talking about the basic uh, experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues as a result of being filled with the Spirit, the reason we know that's not talking about the same thing is because uh, the, the clear, the clear uh, uh, teaching here is that not all will speak with tongues. And if you go down to uh, uh, the... 10th verse, you know, it says to one has this gift of the spirit, to another has this gift of the spirit, and it says to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to one the interpretation of tongues. Well, if you look at that, uh, just all tongues being all the same, then it would seem that there'd be a sprinkling in the church. Here one, there one, an auditorium this side, you might have five or six or ten that would speak with tongues and three or four that would have other gifts of the Spirit and they'd be sprinkled all around. But if you look at the New Testament, every time people were filled with the Spirit and they spoke with other tongues, in each, in each uh, occasion, on each occasion, everybody there spoke. On the day of Pentecost, there was 120 and they all spoke with tongues. Isn't that right? So that defies... This explanation that to one would be given the gift of tongues, to another the interpretation, and, and there would be a few sprinkled in there. No, every one of them on the day of Pentecost spoke with tongues. And then when the Spirit was poured out in, uh, in Acts chapter 10 at Cornelius' household, if you read it, they all spoke with tongues. No one was left out. And then in the 19th chapter of Acts, there at, uh, in Ephesus, when Paul found those, those disciples, they all spoke with tongues. So the evidence shows that there's two different operations of tongues, two different experiences. One is when people are filled with the Spirit, they speak with other tongues. It's the physical, outward demonstration of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But then there are ministries that are public. See, tongues is essentially a private, personal, devotional gift. And, and basic speaking with other tongues is given for, for uh, you and me, for us and each of us to aid us in our worship and communication with God. That we can pray and praise and worship God in the power of the Spirit. That's the most basic elementary use of tongues. But there is another side of tongues and that's the public side. And that's what he was describing here in verse number uh, 30. So not all are going to have that. But having said that, that not all uh, will have a ministry of tongues, it's still true that all spirit-filled believers can minister publicly in tongues. Now, that sounds like a contradiction. Not, Not all will have a ministry of tongues, but all can speak with tongues and interpret in a public setting. Now, the reason I know that's true, there's several, there's several uh, 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 pieces of evidence here. If you look at the 12th chapter, verse 1, he says, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Well, one type of ignorant, ignorance is lack of experience. And I've used this illustration before. And I could read a book, you know, on driving a truck, an 18-wheeler. I can read a book, take a course, but until I get behind the wheel of that 18-wheeler, I'm still fairly ignorant. 
so I can know all about it uh, uh, in terms of, of, you know, book knowledge. But there's, there's a certain kind of experience and, and or a certain kind of knowledge and understanding that only comes from experience. Well, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant. Well, that would include uh, uh, not being, having experiences of these things of the Spirit. And then in the seventh chapter, he said, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. So that tells me that every one of us should have the Spirit manifesting in, in, in all of these or in, a, in, a, in a, a public setting. Then he goes on to say in the 11th verse, but one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to how many? Each one, individually, as he wills. So here again, we have the idea that everyone should be operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Now, it's interesting that in verse 7, he says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. There's not anything that profits the whole body like tongues and interpretation and prophecy. In other words, if the gifts of healings are in operation, that's not going to profit the whole body. It's going to profit the few people that get healed. If the working of miracles is in operation, it's not going to profit the whole church. It's going to profit the one that received the miracle. Isn't that right? If the word of wisdom is in, in, in operation, it's not going to profit the whole church. It might, but it might not. And the same thing with the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is not likely to profit the whole church. But tongues with interpretation or prophecy, those, those three vocal gifts are by their nature, the public's operation of that, they're by their nature, they're designed to edify the church. So when it says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, well, that would be all of the manifestations of the Spirit, but in particularly uh, the vocal gifts because those are the ones that uniquely uh, uh, serve to edify all. Isn't that right? Then look at the uh, 31st verse, this same chapter. Earnestly desire... The best gifts or the greater gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. Later, when, he, when he, uh, we move down to the 14th chapter, you find out what those greater gifts are. And uh, moving on down to the 14th chapter, he says, pursue love, verse 1, and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you might prophesy. I like, I've always liked to quote the Moffat's translation there. Moffat's translation says, make love your aim, and then set your heart on spiritual gifts. Especially that you might prophesy. Especially that who might? You. See, how many of you have set your heart that, uh, on spiritual gifts? How many of you have said, I, I tell you what, I am going after spiritual gifts. I'm going after it with I'm setting my heart up. I'm going to put love number one, so I'm always going to operate you know, in, a, in a selfless uh, uh, way to, to bless others, but I'm pers I, I'm, I've set my heart on spiritual gifts. I, I'm, most of you have at least once when I taught on it. Most of you at some point said, yeah, I need to do that. I, I'm going to do that. I'm setting my heart on spiritual gifts. Did it last maybe a week, two, a month? Not, not asking anybody to raise a hand, but did, how many of you have, have, have been uh, 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 reaching for and had your heart set on spiritual gifts lately? <laughs> huh? Notice Paul wasn't talking to the pastors here. He was talking to the whole church including the pastors, but he's talking to the whole church. Isn't that right? He said, make love your aim and then set your heart on spiritual gifts. And in particularly that you may prophesy. Now, I, I think that, and I don't know if I'll get to this tonight, but I, I, I think I understand some of the hesitancy and, and, and some of the reasons why this, uh, you know, sort of wanes over time, the desire for these things, and I believe I'll be able to help you. I'm going to say some things either tonight or the next time I teach on this that I've never said before, but I believe it'll help. Uh, but let's read on. Well, 14 says that we should desire spiritual gifts, especially that each, he's talking, see, it's right, listen to me, it's right 
to have this attitude, God, I don't care who you use. I just want the spirit of God to move in the church. And, and I don't care if you use me. I don't want to be seen, my man. I just want you to move. So I'm just as happy as you, if you move through somebody else. That, there, there's a level at which that's a real good attitude to have. See, because we don't want to promote uh, uh, pride or, and it's not about self-promotion. So on one level, that's a good attitude to have. But on another level, it doesn't cut muster. Because he said, desire that you may prophesy. And so it's, 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 it's uh, pushing the responsibility off onto somebody else. We, we should appreciate it when God uses somebody else and doesn't use us. But we also should have a desire for him to use us. Isn't that right? Let's go on down to verse number five. Paul's wrote, he said, I wish that you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. Now, this was Paul, but we understand that Paul was writing under the inspiration of the spirit. This is Holy Scripture. This, wasn't, this was Paul, but God was speaking through Paul. So the Holy Spirit said through the apostle Paul, I, I'm glad that you all speak with tongues, but, but uh, I... But I, I, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. So, so God's wanting all of us. That's why I said that, that uh, the basic operation, the public side of, of speaking with tongues and giving an interpretation or a prophecy in a public setting, that's for everybody. That's for everybody. And now, not in one service, you can't have everybody uh, prophesying in one service. That's why he went on to say, you know, in, in any one service, two or three at the most. Let two or three people. But it shouldn't be the same two or three people, service after service. And that's the way it was in the church that I grew up in. It, there were two or three, maybe, in our local church. And, they, and they, they did all of the vocal gifts, all of the tongues, interpretation of tongues or prophecy. It was the pastor and uh, Brother Peoples and, uh, huh? Tillman Daniels, well, there was four maybe, and uh, uh, Sister Bayer, and that was it. Well, it's not supposed to be the same four. It's supposed to be all of us. Amen. Uh, let's go on reading. Verse number 12, he says, even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts. Well, are we? Are we zealous of spiritual gifts? See, I, I think... I think in this church, generally speaking, most of us are zealous for the move of the Spirit. There's a real healthy, I, I, I'm real happy, there's a real healthy hunger in, in this local church for the things of the Spirit. And I so appreciate that. I, I'm so blessed that all of you, most of you, you know, if not all of you, have a real hunger for the things of the Spirit. And, and that makes a huge difference. But... This is not just talking about having a hunger for spiritual gifts in the church. This is talking about being zealous for yourself. See, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. See, that goes beyond just having a hunger for God to manifest in, in, in the church. It, it's, it's having a hunger for, for uh, you to take your part. You, you to, to exercise your part in, in, in bringing the move of the Spirit into the church. Yeah, that's what God wants. And then there's other uh, evidence as well. Verse number 13. Therefore let him who speaks in the tongue pray that he may interpret. Well, it must be available or he wouldn't tell you to pray for it. Do you speak with other tongues? Yes. Well, pray to interpret it. He, and he wouldn't tell you to pray for it if he wasn't going to give it to you. Isn't that right? So it's for everybody. And then in, in chapter 14, verse uh, 24. But if all prophesy... And an unbeliever or an uninformed, uninformed person comes in. He is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome? 
That there would be such a demonstration of the prophetic gift, of the simple, I'm talking about the simple gift of prophecy, that it would be on such a developed level in, in a church that when sinners come in, that there's such a, a sense of God's presence. And he says that prophecy will do that. If all prophesy and an unbeliever, now again, not everybody in, a, in one service, but in other words, it's something that's common in the church. One service, it might be, you know, one or two people. Another service would be a couple other people. But, you know, you can develop in these things. That you, we're supposed to develop in them. And, and there'd be such a strong, uh, pervasive sense of God's presence that when people come in, they're, they're, just, they're just stricken with the, with the reality of God and, the rea- and, and, and his love and that God's here. Praise God. You have the idea that in the first century of the church, you know, they didn't even have to give real powerful altar calls and pull on people's emotion. I mean, people came in and there was just such a, a power present that they, they realized, you, you folks have something I don't have and I want this. Wouldn't that be awesome? Amen. We can have that. Amen. And then uh, we've already looked at verse 26 where it talks about everyone having something. In uh, verse 31, for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. You can't all prophesy. Yeah. And you understand that prophet to, when it says you can prophesy, it, it equally means that you can speak with tongues and interpret. That's, that's prophecy's varied forms. Because he said, greater is he who prophesies than he who speaks with tongues, unless he interpret that the church can receive edification. So tongues with interpretation equals prophecy. And so, he, so anytime there's an encouragement to prophesy, that also in, in, includes uh, tongues with interpretation. That can be the same one person giving a, a tongue and interpreting it themselves, or one person giving a tongue and somebody else interpreting. Either, either way, it can happen either way. But... Uh, you can all prophesy. And then in the, in the 39th verse, it says, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy or speak with tongues and interpret. In other words, desire, earnestly desire, again, the vocal gifts, the public side of the vocal gifts. This is, goes beyond your private devotional side, but the public side. Desire it. Do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let everything be done decently and in order. Well, let me... Uh, I'll go ahead and get into this. Go to the 14th chapter and look at verse 27. If anyone speaks at a tongue, let there be two or at the most three. That's talking about people. Each in turn and let one interpret. So, you know, you can see that the one there is one person. And so the two or three are two or three people. Not two or three messages or or utterances in tongues, but two or three people. He said, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. For if any, but if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Now, the thing that I want, you to, I want to point out in all of this is that it's obvious in these verses that we control the manifestation of the vocal gifts. We control them. God doesn't control them. We control them. Isn't that right? He said, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let it be two or at the most three and, and in each in turn and let one interpret. That must mean that more than two or three could speak with tongues. In other words, it, it's, it, he's saying that in a service, you might have a half a dozen or to a dozen people who would have an unction to speak out and give a message, what we call a message in tongues, but only two or three. If the Spirit would, would only give it to two or three, he wouldn't have to tell us to limit it to two or three because it's only be two or three. 
I want to ask you the question. Why in the world would the Spirit give the, the uh, move on six people when he's already told us to only allow two or three? Did, is he just covering himself? Contingency plan? You know, I've never read in the Bible where the Holy Spirit ever had a contingency plan. It's his way or, or no way. Isn't that right? Well, why would, why would six people sense the, the, the moving of the Spirit to speak out when we're told in the Scriptures to only have two or three? And that must be the case or the instruction to limit it two or three wouldn't be there. Well, there's a reason for that. I wrote several questions down here. He went on to say, if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in church. Wouldn't God know that there was no interpreter? Wouldn't the Holy Spirit know there was no interpreter? Why would he anoint somebody to speak in tongues and, and not have an interpreter there? Wouldn't he know it? What's up with that? <laughs> uh, I, I've known, I, I've experienced this more than a few times. I've ministered in, in interpret, tongues, interpretation, or prophecy, and I've had people can, come up to me after the service and say, Pastor, I had the same thing that you gave out. I had that same message. It, it was just, I, I just had that same anointing. I knew what it was. I could have spoken that out. Well, why? Why would, why would the Holy Spirit give the same message to more than one person? Because it only needs to be spoken out once. Again, is he covering himself? I don't think so. See, it, it, it goes back to a general misunderstanding. This is where I think I can help folks. It goes back to a general misunderstanding. I think we've had the idea that when the Spirit of God starts to move in the service, that he selects one person and gives them a message. In other words, the, the anointing comes on them and he gives them an utterance in tongues or prophecy or when someone has spoken in tongues, select Sister Iris, you've got the interpretation. That's not it so much. That's not really what happens. The Holy Spirit who... In, in fills all of us when we're together. The Holy Spirit has some things he wants to say. And a few people happen to tap into that. Anybody could. Several people might. And, and, and the way it happens is, you know, I, I've never been in a service and, and since the, the Spirit of God moving on me to uh, give a, an utterance in tongues or an interpretation or prophecy, I've never had that happen when I was just sitting in church daydreaming, not really engaged. No, it's always happened when, when, when my heart is reaching up to God. And, and that's why it happens so often uh, following a time of praise and worship. When we're in God's presence, when your heart is lifted up to God and you're just, you're just worshiping him in the, in the presence of the Lord and you're, and you're drawing on him. He's got something he wants to say in the church. Any number of people can, can pick up on that. That's why several people will, will pick up on the same thing. And then, then once, but because you are reaching out from your heart because you're reaching out to the to the to the move of the spirit then that that anointing will come on you and it's and it's almost like god just you know tapped you out and singled you out and 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 and, and uh operated you know just gave you this gift well it could happen to to several people get the same witness and that's why he said, you know, uh, uh, if, if, it's, if something is revealed to another one who sits by, let the first hold his peace. In other words, don't be a hog. Don't hog the spiritual gifts. Now, we don't have that problem. But we ought to have that problem and not yield to it. <laughs> you following me? No, he said, he said you know, it's not all about you. 
If someone else, you know, has, has got the word, let, let them give it out. You don't have to do it. Let somebody else. But the point is, I'm trying to get you to see, is these are things the Spirit has for the church. And when you're in an, an atmosphere where, well, several, several things are involved. Hunger, desire for the, for the gifts of the Spirit. If you're not desiring them for yourself, honey, it's not going to happen. And, and it needs to happen. And the church, see, the church really is robbed of, we want the same kind of, of, of dynamics working in our church that they had in the first century. We want the same kinds of services. Now, you know, we, uh, we do in a, in a large measure. You know, we've, we've got a good operation of the Spirit around here. Demonstrations of the Spirit. You come to church, you never know what God's going to do, you know. Just, you know, you have just fine times in the Holy Spirit. But we don't have so much of, of what we see in 1426. We don't have that. Every one of you, when you come together, everyone has a psalm or a teaching or a revelation or a tongue or interpretation. We don't, we don't have much of that. Well, the reason is uh, there's not a hunger for that that lasts further than three days after I teach on it. <laughs> uh, but when you're, if you have a desire for that, then seek that. And then when you're in the service, if you're worshiping God out of your, out of your heart, you, you'll sense these things will start happening. They'll start coming up on the inside of you. Now, the first time it happened to me, I was probably about 22, and I was hungry. I, I really wasn't seeking for the gifts of the Spirit for myself because I just never imagined that God would want to use me. And, but I had a real hunger for the Spirit. In, you know, in my life. I had a hunger to be filled with the Spirit, which I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, but I had a real hunger for, for more of the Spirit in my life. Not necessarily that I would prophesy, but just more of the Holy Spirit. And I had a desire for it, you know, to be in our church, for God to move. And we had different ones, you know, that moved. And, but the first time it happened on me, happened to me, the Spirit of God moved on me. I just happened to, to, to tap in. Anybody could have that was hungry. But, but somehow I was able to, to, to uh, lay hold of that. And when it happened, suddenly my heart started beating, you know, out of my chest. And, well, see, in my immaturity, I thought that was the Holy Ghost. I thought, you know, heart beating, you know, real hard and my palms are sweaty. And I, you know, I thought that was the power of God on me. That wasn't the power of God. That was fear. Because, and, and I didn't, and I didn't, and I didn't open my mouth in, in more than once. I mean, this happened two or three times before I finally uh, spoke out what the Lord gave me. But my, here was my, see, I had grown up in a Pentecostal tradition that we thought that when the Holy Spirit moves, then it's, it's all Holy Spirit, that he takes you over. Well, number one, I, I'm sitting here thinking, well, I'm not, I'm not so holy. You know, I make mistakes. I sin sometimes. I'm not always faithful. I've got all these hang-ups. I'm not a good, I'm not a good candidate for this. And besides that, everybody in the church knows it. <laughs> as soon as I open my mouth, they're going to turn up their nose and go, shut up, son. Who are you? Who, who are you to presume that you can speak for God? These thoughts are going through my mind. And then I had the idea that, uh, that, you know, there were certain ones in the church and they were real eloquent. I mean, when they, when they spoke with, with, uh, in prophecy or interpretation, particularly our pastor, he was just real eloquent. And I thought, I'm anything but eloquent. And I'm going to have to be. And, and if not, then I'm just going to mess up what God's doing. See, and that, that you can see why my heart was beating because I, I was in fear. That's, that's not the way it works. A, a, a more natural eloquence in a person's life is going to result in a more eloquent prophecy. Someone with a lesser natural eloquence, they're going to have a, 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 a generally a lesser eloquent prophecy. And it doesn't mean it's not by the Spirit. They're both equally the Spirit of God. God uses 
each of us individually. He just uses us. He uses what's available. Amen. And we need to appreciate the move of the Spirit. We need to appreciate what God... See, it isn't how it's said, but what is said. The, the, the general content. I, I've had uh, a number of people come up and say, you know, Pastor, you, you gave up that word, and I had the same thing, but different words. I, had, I mean, I could have spoken out, but I, had, I, I didn't have the same words. I had different words. Well, in, it's inspired utterance. Someone asked Brother Hagen, I was trying to find the, the, uh, uh, the CD today, and, I, and I've listened to it a number of times, and I just couldn't locate where it was. But, but it was in a question and answer session at Ramah. And this person was saying, well, you know, uh, if, if, the whole, if, if the Holy Spirit is speaking, and, and Brother Hagen, he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's, it's not just the Holy Spirit speaking, it's you speaking. See, when, when prophecy or interpretation comes about, you're inspired. It's inspired utterance, and God's going to inspire you to use your words. And you're going to use words that are common to you, and you're going to express it the way you normally express it. It's a fallacy and, and, and uh, uh, an, in, uh, an inappropriate or inaccurate use of spiritual gifts to try to put on some kind of, of otherworldly eloquence and try to speak, you know, in, in uh, some kind of uh, uh, Elizabethan or some kind of religious tones. God knows how you talk. And we know how you talk. And see, I might, I might pick up and God, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm open and I'm, and I'm reaching out. God may give me a message, uh, you know, to, through tongues or maybe some, someone speaks in tongues and I interpret. Somebody else could have the very same interpretation and say it completely different. But what's the essence of it? The essence is what, is, is what counts. As long as that person gets out what the Spirit's trying to say, it doesn't matter how it's said. Now, when you first start this, you might not do so good getting it out. You might stammer a little bit. And see, I was afraid of that because in our tradition, if you stammered the least bit, well, then you were just out of the Spirit. That wasn't the Holy Ghost. That's just a demon or something, you know. That's not true. You know, I was last... Jan, was it last January we were out at the Dufresne's or June? When was that? When, when Pastor Nancy sang that song. <laughs> in June, we were out in, in uh, the Dufresne's church. And uh, Pastor Nancy had, had a, a word from God for me. And she gave it, but she told Kendra, I mean uh, uh, Morgan, and, and Morgan told Kendra later... She, she didn't sense that she was saying all of it the way she wanted to say it. And I've never, had, I've never seen anybody do this before. She said, she had Trevor, she said, go to the, to the, you know, the piano or organ, I think piano, and start playing, get in a certain key or something. So he starts playing. She starts singing this prophecy to me. And I thought, this is weird. Having this woman's, I've never had another woman sing to me. And she's singing and you can tell she, she's not getting it out. It just, it, and she told Morgan later, she said, I, 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 I just couldn't get it out. I couldn't, I couldn't say what I sensed the Spirit of God saying. And, and so she, sort of, she, tried, she tried to sing it. She thought maybe that'll help. Well, it didn't. But in essence, you know, I got what the Spirit was saying. But my point is she was a little frustrated because she wasn't able to express it the way she wanted to. Well, you know, that happens to everybody. That happens to me. It'll happen to you. But what we, need to, to, what we need to value is when someone, and I'm going over a few minutes, but when someone operates and steps out in, in, in a vocal gift, we have to appreciate God and not look down. Well, that person, you know, they struggle with that a little bit. Well, you know, you might too at any given time. Amen. Now, I know, listen, I know there's nobody in here who dislikes anybody else in here. Okay, I know that. 
But you know, you may have somebody that you think, because maybe you know something about them, and you think, you know, they're not so, uh, such a faithful person. You might have an opinion of somebody in the church. You know, I, I don't think they're a real great Christian. Or maybe you just, there's certain things about them you don't like. I know there's nobody you wouldn't like in here, but there might be people that you just, they just rub you the wrong way or you just don't, you just don't esteem them very highly. You're really careful. When the Spirit of God, if that person picks up something from God and speaks it out, you have to be able to separate because God will use anybody who's open. God wants to use, that's the, that was the thing that, that's the one thing that makes the operation of the Spirit of God so wonderful in the church is you had in the, in the uh, first generation of the church, there were prominent people who were part of the Christian church. I mean, there were, there were real high society type people and there were people who couldn't read and write. And they were in the same little gathering together and the Spirit of God used each one of them and they all valued what the Spirit was saying. Amen. So we need, we need to appreciate that God will use anyone and, 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 and recognize the operation of the Spirit, separate that from the person. Amen. Because you want people to do that for you. Yeah. You want people to, to, to realize, you know, that you're not just the, the sharpest tack in the drawer either. And yet God will use you. I'm talking about spiritually. You might not have all your ducks in a row spiritually, but God will use you. And you want people to, to, to accept and, and, and value the operation of the Spirit. Isn't that right? Well, praise the Lord. That's just about everything I had. Unless Pastor Angela gives me another week. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.